Second Chronicles chapter 26. The context here, and this is just uh, bringing in the Second Chronicles, just the context to get to Isaiah chapter 6. But the context we understand, I talked to a couple weeks ago about the kings of, of Israel after, after Solomon, at Rehoboam and Jeroboam, there was a split in the kingdoms and, and Israel turned into two as far as Israel and Judah. And one of these kings of Judah, Uzziah, uh, that's who we're going to kind of take a look at here just for a second. He was 16 years old when he began to reign in Judah. He was a king of Judah, descendant of David. And he reigned 52 years in Judah. And he did that which was right in the sight of God. You're in Second Chronicles, look at verse chapter 26 and verse 5. The Bible says, And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding and visions of God, and was and as long as he sought the Lord God, God made him to what? Prosper. So here we have this young man, this young king, and he is seeking God, and he is he's, he's seeking the ways of God. And we understand in Israel and Judah's history, there was kings that did seek God, and there was those that didn't. And Uzziah, he started off by seeking the Lord and going after God. And the Bible says in verse 7, I'm just going to skip down through this. Again, this is just the intro. He, he in verse 7 of chapter 26, the Lord helped him in war. God helped him in battle. God helped him in war. He was able to destroy his enemies, the Philistines, and God helped him there. And then we would see from verse 9 all the way through about 15 that God continued to prosper Uzziah. And he was able to build all kinds of stuff. He was able to build all these things uh, as unto the Lord. And he built, uh, he built towers and he built walls. He built gates in these, in these walls. He built vineyards. He had tons of cattle. He built a huge army in this, in this time. I'm, I'm saying he just was prospering. God was blessing him and all these good things uh, that were happening in Judah because that the king and the people were seeking God. I can't help but when I read these sort of things to, to make a correlation between Israel or Judah in this case in America. And how that we, we, when we see God, God has blessed us. And all the things that God has helped us with and all the things that God has allowed us to see and achieve and do. It's the blessings of God. It, 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 it's getting close to Thanksgiving. I am thankful for the country that we live in. I am thankful for freedom to do this to worship God openly. I'm thankful for that. And look, I don't think we should ever take that for granted. Christians over the last 2,000 years, it hasn't always been this easy for them. Matter of fact, for the most part, it hasn't. And that's true. So we have a lot to be thankful for and, and that we sought God and God helped us and God blessed us. But then look at verse 17, uh, 15. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows of great stones withal, and his name spread far abroad. Uzziah is, I mean, he's coming up with all these great inventions of war and all these ways to protect the country, and he became famous. For he was marvelously helped. God was helping. <laughs> Guys, if, 
Again, I, I'm going to keep going back to this. We have been helped by God, this country. All the things that God has done for us, we've been helped. It wasn't just because we're so smart. <clears throat> it says, till he was strong. At the end of that verse 15. But, verse 16, when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed the Lord, his God, and went into the temple of the Lord and burnt incense on the altar of incense. He began after he was saw how much God had blessed him, and that really everything Uzziah did turned to gold. That's everything he touched. And he thought, well, I can just do whatever I want. He thought, I can just, he didn't have that perfect, perfect heart like, like his great-grandfather David in that even when he was blessed that he stayed close to God, when he started to get strong and powerful, he was lifted up in pride and said, well, if I can do this and I can take, uh, I can disobey God and the ordinance of the priests, I can go in and into the temple and offer incense just like they can. I'm of the tribe of Judah, they, they were of the tribe of Levi. That's not how God set it up. Ultimately, we find out that uh, Uzziah, it ended bad for him. He got leprosy because of that immediately. And he, he was left alone and by himself. And I, I say all that and I set the stage here for the context of where we're at. Israel, Judah in this case, was, was, uh, had been blessed, had been lifted up, but they had fallen. They had fallen away from their trust in God. They were maybe trusting in their wealth. They may have been trusting in their armies and their inventions and all those sort of things. Hey guys, we have all sorts of great uh, 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 you know, medical advancements and military and all those sort of things, but I do not trust in that. I don't trust in that. We shouldn't as believers, as Christians, trust in those great things. Those things, we trust in who? We trust in God. Now you flip over to Isaiah. So Isaiah becomes the prophet at the end of this after all the blessings, after the, Judah had turned from the Lord. And he was supposed to prophesy. He was supposed to speak for God to, this, to these people and their hearts had changed. Their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were arrogant. Their hearts were proud. He says in, in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 6, In the year that King Uzziah died, we just learned about him, I, Isaiah, saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain He covered His face. With twain He covered His feet. With twain He did fly. These, these beasts, these, these seraphim here with the six wings, we see the same, the same story as John he got this revelation in Revelation chapter 4 and goes up and sees God sitting on the throne and he sees these, these seraphim above him singing constantly, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah seeing this, seeing this vision, this, this Christ high and lifted up. He said in verse 3, and one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the whole house was filled with smoke. In verse 5, 
Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. Then, one, uh, then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongue off the altar, and laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and iniquity is taken away, and is sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. Listen, we need to see the Lord, don't we? Does, does this world need to see God? Doesn't it need to see Christ? Wouldn't that make a difference if they're able to look on Him and see Him for His glory and His majesty, high and lifted up, the King of glory, Jesus Christ? Our country needs to see the Lord. That's important that we see Christ, that we have that honor and reverence and fear of God. God look, did you see Isaiah's reaction? <laughs> it's a lot of, lot of anyone who ever met uh, the captain of the Lord of hosts in the Old Testament, New Testament, they all had the same reaction, down on their face and in and, and, and fear of the power and majesty of God. We as a people, we as a people need to see Him. Let me ask you this question. Have you, have you seen Him? I mean, have you had an experience like this? You know, I know that uh, he's here and he's here with us now, but I'm talking about a time when you, when you experienced Christ with an unspeakable just joy. Just he filled your heart just with, it was to overflowing. When, I'm talking about a time, I'm not into all these feelings, but I'm telling you, this happens when you see Christ and see Him high and lifted up, things like goosebumps are not, you know, they're pretty common. Little tears will start in your eyes and you don't even know why. You feel the presence of God. We need that. We need Him. We need to feel His presence and fellowship with Him. One good, one good fellowship with Christ, one good worship, one good time in prayer where you come close that will take you a long ways that will feed you for a long time that will help our faith when we experience God high and lifted up He will do that for us He'll meet us so many times our problems and our issues in life questions, all those things will either be answered in the presence of the Lord or we'll realize that they don't even matter the, you know, the things that we, we said, I want to know the answer to this or that. And then when you experience Christ and His presence and His joy and His peace, you're like, it doesn't matter. He's with us. He's in us. He's our Lord and Savior. Isaiah experienced this closeness with Him. He experienced it. And look at his reaction. Verse 5. Then said I, woe is me. Isaiah, he's a pretty good guy. You know, right? He was mightily used of the Lord. Uh, he was no different than 
And you and I, though, he was just like Elisha, the Bible says, he was a man, when he prayed, God turned the water off. When he prayed again, he turned it on. But the Bible says that he was a man of like passions just as we are. So Isaiah, in the presence of God, he said, woe is me. See, you know, when you, when, when you see God for who he is, you'll see yourself for who you are. You cannot be arrogant in the presence of God. There is, there is complete humility. It doesn't matter who we are in this world. There's no one that can just, you know, be in the presence of God without some humility and see the obvious difference. <laughs> he saw God for who He was. He gives, when, look, when we're in the presence of God, you know what it does? It gives us great perspective great perspective of who he is and when he when you see who he is and how powerful how mighty he is and he says I'll never leave you or forsake you no I am with you wherever you go even at the ends of the earth that gives great perspective doesn't it and it also shows who is holy and who is righteous and who is not and that is us we are not he says I'm a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. Mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We find in this last verse, verse 8, the Lord says this, He says, Who will I send? Who will go for us? I find that's interesting. A, 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 in the Old Testament, this picture, and you can see it all the time, of the Trinity. He said, who will I send? Who will go for us? Who is he talking about? He said, I will make man in our image. Genesis. He's talking about the Trinity here. The, the Lord, God, and the Son, and the Spirit all in one. You believe that the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is seeking a representative for them. An ambassador. Someone in this world that will speak for them. Someone that will open their mouths. That's interesting, isn't it? When we receive the call, when we receive uh, the, the uh, responsibility to speak for the Lord, you and I, we, our lips are unclean. But we realize that we have divine power. And we speak instead for God as ambassadors that we represent Christ to tell the good news of Jesus Christ what is the message that you and I as ambassadors are to tell? What is the message that we are to speak? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's that God, He became flesh and dwelt among us. He became the sacrifice for our sin. The good news is the remedy for man's sin. It's a way to be made alive. It's a way to have life, eternal life. It's a way to be right with God. Can I say this? At this present time, there is a lack of men and women to tell the good, good news of Jesus Christ. There's a lack. There was a lack in Isaiah's day. There was a lack in Jesus' day. There was a lack a hundred years ago. And there's a lack today. There's a great need. Just this past Friday... Shaylin asked Rebecca, she said, um, is there more people that know God in the world or don't know God? 
And Rebecca's answer to Shalin was Matthew chapter 7, and verse 13 and 14, where Jesus said, Why is the gate that leads to what? Destruction. And many be there to go in there at. But narrow is the way, straight is the gate that leads to life. And few there be that find it. The truth of the matter is, there's more people that don't know God. So Jesus said, And Shaylin saw that differently than maybe what we and I would. Rebecca told me that Shaylin acted like, well, that's good. Because then our job's not that hard. It shouldn't be that hard to find people that need to hear the good news. In other words, we look at the thing and we think it's so overwhelming and so, wow, what, you know, if it's our responsibility to tell the good news of Jesus Christ, we've got a huge job to do. But Shaylin looked at it as if, well, that's easy because then it should be easy to find someone to tell. It should be easy to find someone to tell the good news. Our job's not that hard if there's that many people that need to hear it. That's that childlike faith. Sometimes we lose that childlike faith as we get older, isn't it? And we just kind of clam up and shut up and just think that our faith is just for ourselves. But it's not. We've been given a great gift. And it's a gift that needs to be given. The Lord, He is still saying, Who will I send? Who will go for us? Who will tell the good news? He says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We're to speak, we're to preach the Word of God. He says, how shall they hear without a preacher? The Romans. God the Father is looking to send someone. He says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. As cold water to a thirsty soul, the Bible says in Proverbs, so is good news from a far country. Hey, Wellspring, we got to take a cold drink of water to someone that needs a drink, someone that needs some hope, someone that needs their refreshing. When we receive the call of of, of of being ambassadors, of being representatives of Jesus Christ on earth. He empowers us with divine grace, divine authority. When we speak the Word of God, we're speaking truth that is supernaturally powerful. Do you believe the Word of God has power to transform lives? Any man being Christ, he's a what? New creature, a new creation. He can birth a new man. Old man pass away. Hold all things have become new. Wow. That's power. He has chosen us. We see that. He said, Who will I send? Who will go for us? Jesus said, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. He's talking about us doing a job, having fruit, eternal fruit, fruit that's going to remain into eternity. I don't want to try and depress us this morning, but how, how, how much of our busy, and all of us are busy, daily lives is spent doing things that are going to last for eternity? But He's called us to that message. He's called us to that. You say, am I called to that? I know you are. He's called us to be fishers of men. He's called us into 
this harvest. He's chosen us for this great job. This is a great job. He said, you say, where is He going to send me? Right where you're at. Right where you're at. Your circle of influence. He has chosen us. He has chosen us to be His ambassadors, to speak for Him. But we also have to volunteer. Would you agree with that? He... In other words, it goes back to last week's sermon, A Willing Mind. Willingly, cheerfully surrendering ourselves to God's service. Are we not vessels that can be filled with Him and used to, 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 to help others and bless others? That's all it is. It is allowing ourselves to be used. Surrendering ourselves to be used for His faith. God's sovereign. And He has chosen us. But He also gives us free will. We are free agents. You say, how can those two... I thought those were two separate truths. No, those two truths go hand in hand. God is sovereign. He knows us from the... He said He is from the, from the foundations of the world. He knows us. He's chosen us. But yet we still have to surrender ourselves. Surrender our mouths, our abilities, our talents... To give and to help others. Like Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. Like Paul in the Philippian jail. Like Paul with Lydia down by the river. They just opened their mouth and told the good news of Jesus Christ. And they received it. They took it. Sometimes it's not, we don't have to be all that... uh, you know, we don't have to know a whole lot. I think the story of Naaman, the Old Testament, where the prophet told him to go down and dip into the river, the muddy river, seven times, and he'd be clean. They hold. The Bible says that Naaman was wrong. And he was angry. He didn't want to do that, right? He didn't want to humble himself and go down and do something crazy. But there's a verse in there where it says, Naaman's servant said to him, if he would have asked you to do some great thing, you would have done it. Just go do it. Sometimes that's all we need to be is that servant to say, why not receive Christ? Why not by grace through faith accept Him? Or even like the little maid in the story of Naaman. You know what she said? She said, I would to God that my master could make it to the prophet in Samaria, for he would clean the cleanse and heal him of his sickness. I, I like the confidence of that little maid. The confidence in her God that if he could just get to, you know, that's all we got to be is, is tell folks, hey, if you could just get to Christ, if you could just see him high and lifted up, if you could just get to Calvary and be obedient to the gospel, he can help. He can change. He can bring new life. In other words, we don't have to be all that elegant or, you know, have all these right words and memorize whole books of the Bible <laughs> to be able to make a difference in someone's life. That's, that's the point. It could be just, just one, one sentence that could change someone's eternity. It's powerful. God's looking for someone that'll say, I'll open my mouth, I'll say it. You say, how, how, how do I surrender to that? How do I sign up for that? It's a small prayer. It's a simple prayer. There's words in it, but it's more of just a willing heart and a willing mind. It goes something like this. Here am I. Send me. 
I believe that if we have that willing heart, willing mind, say, here, mind, send me, that maybe even this week, we would see a door open for us to tell the good news to a neighbor, a co-worker, a friend, a family member, hey, it's getting, we're going to spend time around Thanksgiving uh, with family. We all, I'm sure, have family who don't know Christ. What if we said, Lord, I surrender, I hear my, send me. Maybe he would use us. Maybe the door would open and we would see, hey, I can open my mouth here and tell the good news, the unsearchable riches of Christ. He said, where will you say, where will he send us? Well, he'll send us into his harvest field. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 through 38, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That's an amazing verse. Sometimes we just read over that. Wow, the power of Jesus Christ. And when he saw the multitudes, the Bible says he was moved with compassion on them. If we're gonna if we're gonna be fruitful in our Christian life, we have to have the heart of Christ. Christ was compassionate. Compassionate is an emotion I think that is deep down that really gives us grace. You know, it really if you have compassion on an individual, you you still speak the truth, but you do it with a little bit of different attitude, don't you? Does, doesn't compassion help speak the truth with love instead of speak the truth with I'm right, you're wrong? That's what Christ, he had compassion on the multitude. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, Jesus, the harvest truly is plenteous. Like Shailen said, there's, anywhere you look, there's folks. You say, do we need missionaries in Africa? Yeah, we do. We need missionaries in China? Oh, yeah. The Philippines, yes. India, yes. Springboro, yes. Dayton, yes. Yes, absolutely. America, yes. The school system, yes. The jails, yes. Nursing homes, yes. Yes, yes. The, 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 the field's plenty. Anywhere you look, your workplace, yes. It's not like, the, you know, we have to go that far. It's not like we've got to plan a trip to get into the harvest. It's everywhere. It's plenteous. It's all over. He says this. Jesus says in verse 37, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, Jesus said, therefore the Lord of the harvest, that He will send laborers into His harvest. You say, how do we get involved in the harvest? How do we get involved in the work of the Lord? Pray. Lord, hear my, Send me. Lord, I'll have the boldness, the grace, that if you'll open the door, I'll tell someone. If I see it's of you, then I'll, I'll do it. If I see that I'm being led or directed to do it, I'll, I'll do it. I'll be that willing. I might feel a little scared at first. I may feel a little uh, like Isaiah. I'm, I don't have the ability. I can't, like Moses, like so many that God has used all felt the same way. Look, I, I, don't, I don't have the ability to do it, but God will give us the ability when we need it. I believe that He'll start us right in our little circle of influence, right now, just like He said in Acts chapter 1, didn't He? 
He says, there'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in the outermost parts of the earth. He starts small. Be faithful to be a witness where God has you today. And then it'll grow. Well, spring, we're going to the uttermost part of the earth again in February. We went to India in, in what was it, May? And, and I did. And uh, Wellspring started Project India. And hundreds of folks were saved. There's a church planted. Several young guys have surrendered to go to be pastors in which Wellspring support their, supports them um, in, their, in their schooling. This, this February, we'll be holding a three-day, this has been God, we'll be holding a three-day uh, pastor seminar, I will be, in vinegar. Um, and, uh, and there, there's 80 preachers coming from all over South India for this, uh, this, 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 you say, why are you doing that? Because last time I was there, I saw, I thought that we were going to reach these unreached villages. I told you there was 500,000 of them. That's a, that's a hard number, I, we could go to, I could go to one every day for the rest of my life and not reach them all. And so when we saw that, how, how many, these villages are three, four thousand people. And so we, we see this and I thought, you know what we need? We need to multiply this effort. You know, I went there last time, we went to eight villages, I was worn out. And how these, we got, you know, that's just scratching the surface. What if we got all the pastors and we help them and we support them and we encourage them and their churches to go out to the villages around them, the remote villages and home meetings and preach the gospel? And God's making it happen. 80, 80 people, uh, uh, pastors will be at this seminar. We'll hold inner city, uh, so those, the seminars will be in the morning. We'll hold inner city, uh, whatever you want to call them, evangelical crusades and in the evening, and then one evening we're going to a village, I think we're going to go to a village where Wellspring is starting a Wellspring church, where we went last time. This is, uh, this is, this is just scratching the surface, so when I think of, when I think of the harvest, I think of India, I think of Springboro, I think of, of, uh, Bible studies that we've been involved in where guys come that don't know Christ and have accepted Christ in that. I, I think of that as the harvest. I think of my job. Subcontractors that I work with and customers that I work with. I think of that as the harvest. You know, I think of Sunday mornings here when folks come that don't know Christ. We've seen many, many folks come to know Christ here on Sunday mornings. That's, that's the harvest. You know what I think of the harvest? You know, I hate to say most importantly, but I think of all the children in, in the job trailer as they come to age and if they, they come to know, uh, understand that they're a sinner and that Jesus Christ is the Savior. That each one of the children that Wellspring has any impact on, that they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's, it's those kind of eyes of starting to see everything that we do and everywhere that we go is part of the harvest. That, yeah, maybe we might be right in the middle of our job or we might be right in the middle of something, but maybe God is working something out at the same time to where someone needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm just saying, the possibilities are endless when we think of the harvest. 
And, and right now, we, we, hey, that's, that is our, one of our main purposes, is it not? We have three, and one is to be a Great Commission church. And a Great Commission church, tell others the good news of Jesus Christ, isn't just when we go to the Congo. It's not. It's, it's, it's every day. It's when we leave here and, and God puts us in, in touch with other people. We can see it. I believe that if we surrender to it, there's not a, there's not a lack of a need. There's just a lack of, of labors. We understand that the Lord's coming back. I don't know when. It might be soon. I don't know when it is. But we should be busy about the Lord's work until that. Bringing others to Christ. The Bible says, He that winneth souls is what? Wise. The Lord said, Who will I send? Who will go for me? What do you say? What do you say? What if just this small group of people here said, Here am I. Send me. What do you think God could do over the next year, five years, ten years? I'm serious. If, if we said, here, my Lord, send me. No, no, uh, uh, no, you know, we're not trying to plan anything out, but we just say, Lord, I'm a willing vessel for you to use however you see fit. You think he would? I do. I think he said, wow, there's someone that surrendered to, to, to my strips. I use them. I use, I use them in a great way bring others to Christ. We're going to close. But before we do, as we close, I want to read these three verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The prayer for all of us is, here am I, send me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, begin reading verse 18. The Bible says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us, believers, Christians, those in the church, reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. You realize that if you've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, that you have a ministry. A ministry of reconciliation. In other words, because you've been reconciled to God, you have a calling in your life to reconcile, try to bring others to Christ. He says in verse 19, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the word of reconciliation. Now then, we, us, we are what? Ambassadors for Christ. Do you you think of yourself as that? Think of how serious you would take it if you were an ambassador to another country representing America. And you were living there, your conduct would say, hey, I need to represent you know, uh, my country well and what I do and what I say. Look, we're here as, we're just passing through on this earth. Our home is in heaven. And right now, we, you are an ambassador for Christ. 
when people look at you and you call yourself a Christian, you're standing and, and saying, hey, I, I represent Christ here. This is serious. As ambassadors for Christ. He says, you're ambassadors for Christ as though God did besiege you by us. We pray in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We have the word of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. Let's stand and sing page 18. As we do, if the Lord stirs your heart, He's telling you a place, He's sending you a place. Have that heart, have that willing mind to say, Here am I, Lord. Here am I, send me.